we'll be conducting some baptisms and hearing a couple of testimonies as well. I'm also certain we'll have all our young people with us, and it'll just be a marvelous, marvelous day of celebration. So we'd invite you to, to join us then again next week. You know, uh, we're the church. His, his body was torn on the cross, and so was the curtain. And then I think about the fact that his blood was spilt everywhere, and his grace was too. And do you know that the Bible tells us that not a, bro a bone of his was broken, and neither are any of his promises. And so as we come together, we come to worship and celebrate and thank him for all that he has accomplished. I hope welling within you this morning is, a, is an attitude of gratitude. I hope within your spirit is a, is a spirit of thankfulness that God loves you. He is a gracious God and he welcomes you into his sanctuary this morning because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. You know, one of the privileges we have as, as uh, people of God is to respond in worship. And part of that worship is often with our offerings and tithes. And while we are no longer taking up a collection, per se, in our worship time, I don't want us to forget that that is an important part of what it is to worship. And so let me remind you that, uh, that we have a number of ways that you could participate. If you don't have an envelope, you find one hopefully in the uh, seat in front of you. You can place any of those offerings in the boxes in the back in the atrium there. We also have online giving options uh, that you can go to our website at noefc.org and then as well as, as through Venmo and those uh, items or opportunities are in the bulletin this morning as well. I'm, I'm glad to be with you this morning. I really appreciated Pastor Rich uh, uh, filling in last week. I had a little bit of a cold, not a big deal by any measure, you didn't have to worry, but uh, I just thought given the environment we're in these days, it was probably best to just stay home and, and wanted to remain clear and uh, feel very much better. Have a little bit of allergies, it seems like, this morning, but, uh, but God is gracious and good. And boy, Pastor Rich did a great job, and so appreciated his uh, filling in on rather short notice. So we're a blessed congregation in many ways. Would you join with me as we prepare to receive God's word? Let's go before our Lord, shall we? Father, we are thankful that we are in your house and what a privilege it is to be people who can worship you. Teach us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Forgive us, Lord, for the many ways we have forgotten you this week. And help us, Lord, in this place to recognize your majesty, your holiness, your grace, your mercy, your kindness, Thank you, Lord, that in this place we, we come into your presence to hear your word. May that word be spoken in a way that, Lord, uh, your spirit can, can move in our hearts and challenge us. I pray, Lord, that in this place we would gather with your people and we would know that we are not alone. We are not alone in those things where we rejoice. We are not alone in those areas where we hurt. I pray this morning, Lord, that your grace will be sufficient and we will know the, the measure of your mercy as we open your word together. We pray, Lord, for those in our family who are hurting, those who grieve the loss of loved ones. 
We think of those who are, uh, Lord, anticipating surgeries and, and, Lord, are going through difficult times. Some have lost jobs. Some are dealing with health issues that are rather uh, concerning. And, and, Lord, we just lift them to you right now. I pray, God, that you would uh, open our ears to, to be listening to the concerns and needs around us. Open our eyes, Lord, that we might have hearts of compassion to those who who need a word of encouragement, who need a, a voice, Lord, that speaks truth in their life today. Spirit, lead us th this day. We need you. Would you pray with me the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, this morning we're going to continue in our series on the Ten Commandments. And I want us to turn again to Exodus chapter 20. I'll invite you to stand with me once more as we open up God's word today. And this morning we're going to the fifth commandment. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, and I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. May God add his blessing to his word. You can be seated. Well, I hope you've been along with us as we have been studying these commandments. And I want you to notice this morning that in a sense it may appear that we're kind of taking a turn when we come to this fifth commandment. You notice that the first four commandments had to do with our duty to God. And so there is a, a vertical, uh, this is ver those are vertical in scope. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make any graven images. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and find rest in your God. The next one uh, appeared to be more horizontal in scope, and so we're dealing with our duties to one another. Don't steal, don't lie, don't murder. And 
We might, uh, we might think that this command to honor our parents is on that horizontal plane as well. But I find it interesting, if you look at the ancient rabbis, they felt that the commandments were divided on two tablets so that one contained the laws that had to do with our duty to God and the other had to do with those laws regarding our duty to humanity. What's interesting to me is this commandment, the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, was thought to be on that first tablet, on that vertical idea. Jews regarded this commandment in line with our piety toward God. And the reason? For children, parents stand in the place of God. So, for instance, the Talmud said this, when a person conducts himself by honoring his father and mother, God is heard to say, it is though I were living with them and they honored me. A 13th century rabbi said that father and mother should be honored as God is honored because all three have been partners in my creation. So at the very least, we take this commandment and we know that it, at least it builds a bridge between our relationship with God and our commitment to our relationship to the people around us. And, and let's face it, if you were raised even in a nominally Christian home, it's likely your mom or dad quoted this commandment to you every once in a while. Seems to me my parents didn't mind reminding me that this commandment was written in stone by the very finger of God. Am I right? To be sure, the only argument that a parent has that is more weighty than because I said so is God said so. And so that, that uh, means a lot. But what it seems to me to be key here is this command says that we are to honor our parents. Now, of course, we don't all grow up in homes where mom and dad were honorable. I did. I'm sure many of you in this room did. But I'm also certain that there are many who are thinking, honor your father and mother? What is there to honor? When it comes to that Father's Day card, you hate it because there's no card out there that truly expresses how you feel. I can think of many attendants in a nursing home today who could stand up here and talk about how many aged parents they see every day who are hardly ever visited by their children, even though their children only live a few miles away. But this commandment is, in fact, very realistic. It doesn't ask a child to have those greeting card sentiments toward a parent. It, it doesn't say that you have to make a way and stir up these emotions of love for your parents that just don't come. It insists, rather, that we honor our parents. For some of us, you know, that comes easy because our parents were basically kind and loving people who sacrificed greatly for us. They may not have been perfect, but when we think about our parents, we well up with a sense of gratitude. They made it easy to see God. But others in this room, let's face it, had a different experience. Abuse and selfishness are increasingly a part of society's equation. But the commandment doesn't say, honor your parents if they deserve it. It doesn't say, honor your parents to the degree that they merit honor. 
This commandment provides no exceptions and no modifications. And I think that is true because the commandment isn't speaking about what the parent deserves. It is, in fact, speaking of the child's own welfare and of the larger welfare of a society as a whole. And so as the Apostle Paul would point out centuries later, he said, this is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. If you think about it, this is the first commandment that comes with a blessing. God says, honor your parents so that it may go well with you and you will dwell in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So I want you to notice with me, I, I, I don't believe that this is an individual promise. In other words, I don't think God is saying, you know, if you obey your parents and you treat them with dignity when you're young, you're going to live to 90 plus years. There are many, of course, compliant children. There are many people who honored and blessed their parents and their lives were cut short. No, this is a national promise to Israel. God is saying to the Israelite people, and I believe it is still true today for any community that will be wise enough to apply it, if you learn to establish respect for authority in your homes, your nation will be strong and the community will be blessed. But if your children don't respect authority, your nation will become weak. The foundations will crumble and you will be driven out of the land I give you. So the heart of this commandment is that you should accept the blessing of the past so you can have a rich and beautiful future. To honor your parents, God says, to the people of Israel is a wonderful way to care for yourselves. On Wednesday evening in our uh, We Will Not Be Silenced class, we have talked about one of the central tenets of Marxism and how it is destined or wants to destroy the nuclear family. You know, one of the key goals of the radical left is that children would no longer be raised by their parents, but those, because of those values those parents espouse, especially traditional biblical values, but the goal is to have children raised by the state and inculcated with more progressive values devoid of any connection to God. The state could take the place of God and the place of parents. And so as we see this in our society, as the state continues to grow and grow and our children are more and more influenced by secularism than Christian values that were once the foundation of the land, God says, Young people, your parents are your future. Take care of them. Honor them. Listen to them. Learn from them. And when they are old, when you are old, it will go well with you. The nation is, is filled with children who respect and honor and learn from their parents. That nation will be blessed, the Lord says. One of the Brothers Grimm tales, uh, when you were young you may have heard this, highlighted this in a rather stinging fairy tale. 
Once there was a, a little old man, with trembling hands and feeble eyes, whose uncertain table habits became increasingly offensive to the daughter-in-law with whom he lived. Until one day she objected vigorously to her husband, the old man's son. So she and her husband took the fumbling old man to a corner of the kitchen. They set him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. Now he was no longer troubling by his dribbled food. The tablecloth would no longer be stained by his trembling behavior. One day, however, in his trembling, he dropped that bowl and it broke. Now the daughter-in-law ceased even to be moderately civil. If you are a pig, she said, you must eat from a trough. And so they made a little wooden trough and he ate from it. The pride of their lives was their own four-year-old son. One evening, they noticed the boy playing with a, several blocks of wood. When the father asked what he was doing, the boy said with an innocent smile, I'm making a trough to feed you and mama out of when I get big. The man and woman looked at each other. Together, they went to that corner and they led the little old man back to his place at the table. They gave him a comfortable chair and put his food on a plate. And never again were they really, really troubled by the food he spilled or by the dishes he occasionally broke. They had learned the lesson by honoring their parent, they possessed their own future. You know, it is essential to the well-being of any culture, but there is an increasing respect for authority. God has established three spheres of authority in our lives, in our world, the state, the church, and the family. And within those spheres, God has delegated authority to certain representatives. Now, the family is the smallest unit, but I think it's the most important because it is there where a person begins to learn respect for authority. And so it's in the home when one learns submission there, he or she will learn to respond to teachers and to pastors and to police officers and to civil leadership. But of course, if a child is disrespectful in the home, it is only a prelude to rebellion and lawlessness and complete and utter anarchy. We see some of the fruits of that today. God has designed the home to be the place where we learn that God is the ultimate authority. It's from a loving mother and father. He wants us to understand his character and it is he who declares and enforces truth. Freedom ultimately comes from him and him alone. Of course, today in our culture, we have been sold a bill of goods that says freedom is being true to yourself. How many times be true to yourself? And many parents have even bought into that philosophy. But that is not freedom. Freedom, real freedom, is being true to your God. And parents are to demonstrate that reality 
in their home. I'm sobered by the fact that about one-third of America's children right now are growing up in single-parent homes. According to the Pew Research Center, no other nation on earth has that large of a percentage of its children. And single parents, man, we know you have a challenge. And the truth is, it's not easy to compensate for the absent parent. And you can get exhausted from trying to be both mom and dad. It's always easier as a result to give in to a child than to enforce true discipline. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. The Bible was clear that any child abuse is exceedingly wrong. Jesus himself said, If any one of you should hurt one of these little ones, that it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and you be cast to the bottom of the sea. But the Bible also teaches that we are to be firm as parents and allow our children to understand a cause and effect principle. That disobedience brings about pain and discomfort. And obedience brings blessing. Now, as children grow, that discipline doesn't really stop, but it certainly does change. As our children get older, the, the parent is responsible then to, to teach and train and coach. And along the way, our young people gain more and more freedom along the way. Ephesians 6.3 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. The Phillips paraphrase uh, takes this word and says, don't overcorrect them. The New English Bible says, don't goad them to resentment. And so as our children grow, it's important we give them more freedom. And let's face it, if we're loving parents, that can be difficult too. For instance, some of you know I now have two children in college. I've gotten two out. I've got two in right now. And Micah, my son, is down at Asbury in Kentucky. And Faith is in what, southwestern uh, Ohio at uh, the uh, Cedarville University. Except I was interested to find out this week that when I checked their locations on my phone, Faith was in Red River Gorge, Kentucky. And Micah was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm thinking, I didn't know that my children were getting, what were they doing outside of the state where I was paying them to go to school and paying for? And so uh, I asked her mom and she said, I have no idea, no idea what is going on. So I made a call to Micah. And it turns out, and I did not know this, I don't know where I've been, I don't think he told us anything, he didn't. No one's told me that colleges this week must have a fall break. Fall break. I mean, they got all that time off for COVID, they get, you know, Thanksgiving coming up. It's not even Thanksgiving, my goodness. And both of my children didn't decide to come home they decided to spend their time with their friends elsewhere. Didn't even bother to call mom. And I think I have failed to teach my children to honor their parents. Or just maybe, 
they're growing, and they're old enough to pay for their own college. <laughs> Amen? All right, well. Now, strangely enough, you look at the life of Jesus, and there are several interesting snapshots, aren't there? Jesus seems almost on the surface to give us uh, uh, mixed signals about honoring parents. One of the stories that comes to mind that you might think of is in our biblical uh, record of when he was a child. He was about 12 years old, his visit to the temple. Somehow he, he became detached from his parents, which if you think about it in that day wasn't difficult, especially in a culture where children would have hung out safely in large extended family groups. And so he ends up in the temple for days. And thus he became engaged in a conversation with the learned teachers of the law who were amazed, the Bible says, at his understanding and answers. It was probably a, a kind of a heady hour for Jesus as people began to take note of who he was and his gifts. But we're told the story, Mary and Joseph finally find him, and Mary says this, Jesus, how could you do this to us? She was saying that she was frightened and she was hurt. And you remember Jesus' response. He says, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? There was a, a higher authority in Jesus' life. But, but notice this then. In Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it tells us, then Jesus went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. Luke realizes Jesus has had this moment when people are beginning to realize this man is gifted. He is incredibly astute in things spiritual. He is beginning to be recognized for being someone for his knowledge and his wisdom. But the Bible wants us to know how significant it is that Jesus goes back to being just a village boy who obeys his parents. He honors his father and mother. But you remember also on, the, uh, on another time, Jesus said this, whoever comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Now, of course, if you've been in the church for long, you've figured out that that word hate is hyperbole. It's a much overstatement. But nevertheless, Jesus is clearly telling us that it is his will, it is God's kingdom that must matter more to us than any other relationship. We must always put God first. But here's the thing. One of the ways that we put God first in our lives is to honor our parents. Some of you this morning have some real challenges as your parents age. Mom or dad, both may need extra care. And sometimes there aren't any easy answers. But you know, I, I think about that moment on the cross and you remember Jesus looked 
down at Mary and the John the Apostle. He says, John, in essence, take care of her. Jesus would tell us today, God informs us today, do your best to be patient, to care for them, to love them, and value the time you have with them. Let them know that you are loved by your conversation, by the time you give. And probably one of the hardest things in life is when that role of parent and child begins to reverse. The person who fed you, you feed them. When the person who changed your diaper now has a diaper that needs to be changed. It's one of the most difficult things of life and can be one of the most beautiful. Rita Jean Underwood wrote, was it so long ago? Seems like yesterday I was chasing rainbows and playing in the hay. Was it so long ago? I played hooky from school, reading, writing arithmetic and learning the golden rule. I remember the school marm saying, the best is yet to come. Finally, I settled down with a mate for life. Man, was it so long ago we were new as man and wife? Children, they came, our pride and joy, and oh yes, the tears and heartaches with girls and boys. They flew the coop, one by one. Was it so long ago Raising our children is all done. Oh, I know the best is yet to come. The house is quiet. Now we have each other. But every now and then I think I hear, Father, Mother, was it so long ago? My mate was taken away. Oh, yes, I know they say. The best is yet to come. My hearing is not so good, and now I use a cane. Was it so long ago I danced in the rain? Well, Lord, I've been so richly blessed, a wonderful mate, beautiful children, and yes, a few regrets. For you see, I know at the last setting sun, the best is still yet to come. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. And listen this morning, if you were, if you had parents who were people of faith, if you had parents who loved Jesus, do you know the best way it seems to me to honor them? Nothing would bring them greater joy and honor than for you to decide today to follow Christ and acknowledge his authority in your life. And by the way, let them know it. Let them know where you stand with Christ. And let your children know it too. So your family will someday be together where there's a new body and 
keen mind again and a perfect relationship because we believe the best is yet to come. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you and you may live in the land I've given you. Let's pray together. Father, I hope these words have stirred something within us that reminds you of your concern and care for us. And one of the ways, Lord, ironically, perhaps, that we care for ourselves is we learn to care for our parents. May we in the Christian church take care of those that you have given us. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to honor our mother and father, even as we learn, Lord, to honor you.